And uh, we're going to be diving that we're going to be diving into today. And I know, you know, I think to me that, you know, this strong wording, it, it almost seems comical. And I, I do like to kind of joke about these things. But today I really want to encourage you guys to be open and to be ready for what God wants to say in this text. Because I believe that the warning that James is giving uh, and what I believe God has placed on my heart today is important for us to leave with and one that applies to all of us in one way or another at different times in our lives, myself definitely included. Now, the past few weeks, James, uh, in the letter of James, we've seen kind of a reoccurring theme, if you haven't noticed, and it started back in chapter 3. At the end of chapter 3, we saw these two types of worldviews that James is painting for us. And this goes all throughout the text. We see these two types of worldviews. But in the end of chapter 3, he really kind of paints them side by side, and he calls them types of wisdom. So there are two types of wisdom. There is the world's wisdom, and this is one that, unfortunately, we're all born with. We're all born into this kind of wisdom. It's a part of who we are because we're born into a fallen world, as we looked at the last two weeks. And in that, we have kind of this world human nature that we're always going to tend to uh, be drawn towards. And this is a part of our culture that we live in. And this kind of wisdom is a self-wisdom. It's always selfish, self-centered. And it's based on who I am and what I can do, what I can accomplish. And this type of wisdom translates into a worldview that is always going to be inward-focused. What we do and how we see others, and what really matters to us is all, always going to be affected by our worldview and the way that we see which kind of wisdom we are using. The other wisdom is God's wisdom. It's acknowledging that I don't always know what's best, but He does. It's God's wisdom is acknowledging that His way over my own way. And this too can be translated into all areas of our life. We saw this throughout the book of James with not comparing ourselves to others, not showing favoritism with one another, and not quarreling with one another. All these things tie into which worldview do we uh, attest to in our lives? What are we, how do we see things? Which wisdom are we attesting to? Our own self, always putting our own abilities and uh, needs at the highest importance or do we see God as the true wisdom in our lives? Now today, this distinction between our wisdom or the world's wisdom and God's wisdom and how we can walk in that is going to be continuing into our future. How or more likely or more or rather how we see our future, how we see our own future. Do we view the future through the wisdom of God or of ourselves? Before we dive into looking at the first verse again, uh, I just want to pray really quickly. Father, I thank you that uh, you offer your wisdom to us. You offer, Father, the ability for us to be able to follow you, to be led by you. And you do this most prominently through your word that we can look at today, study and know and know you better. And I pray, Father, that all of our hearts would be open to hear what you would have to say to us, and that my heart would be open to speak only your truth. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. So, verse 13, I want to read again. Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. It's talking about what? Planning the future. It's talking about planning the future. Now, this text is addressing primarily the wealthy, right? These were wealthy Christians that were living in this community. And uh, clearly, uh, they were talking a little too often about their plans they, to the point that it, it needs to be addressed by James. So we can be pretty confident that it was something that was continuing on, kind of a, a, an arrogant planning or boasting about their plans for the future. Uh, especially in connection with their money. And it shows that their trust was in their wealth and in their planning to keep them uh, above God. So they had kind of a pride in their own accomplishments, especially with wealth. But I think that the key element of their boast is not in the money itself. And this is why I believe this principle applies to all of us today, because I know not everybody here is, you know, stinking rich like... Some of it, I don't know. I don't know who's rich. Maybe none of us. So the principle here, though, goes beyond the money. And so what they're boasting in is, and the sin, I think, in their hearts, is in their self-confidence in their planning. They trust in their plans for their future and their ability to navigate their own future completely apart from God. This is self-wisdom. This is a worldview centered around my own abilities, who I am. It's seeing your future safely placed in your own hands, your own abilities to navigate the future. Now, do you guys have a plan? Do you have the one-year plan? I know we're in Germany. There's a lot of Germans in here. Some of you have like the five-year plan. Some of you have the 10-year plan. Yeah, there's a few of you, you know what I'm talking about. Like, what? Not me. Is it a bad thing to plan? No, I'm not saying it's a bad thing to plan. But whether it's our safety in our finances, the money we're going to make, how much is in our savings account, or if it's in our education, how many degrees I get, my accomplishments in the academic world, or in the communities that we're a part of, whatever that may be, and our accomplishments in those, and how we're going to work our way up in those communities, in our work communities, our home communities, whatever it might be. If it becomes a pride in your heart, if you become prideful in your plan itself, in your ability to create this future for yourself, we need to be cautious about this. And we need to be aware of crossing that line into a pride about our futures. In verse 16, James says, As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If our hope and our trust is in our own plans, apart from God and apart from His involvement, it becomes arrogance. And we should be aware of this in regards to our futures. When we're so sure of ourselves and our great and perfect one or five year plan for the future, we may end up fooling ourselves. And arrogance is really just ignorance with pride. 
How can we know what God knows? How can we understand his ways? So much so that we can arrogantly claim a confidence in our own plan. And again, I'm not saying it's bad to plan. But there is a a line that we can cross into an arrogance. In verse 14, James kind of brings us all under the same roof. The ignorance that we all know that we have. And I'll read, why? Why do you do this? Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. This is a truth for every single person. He's reminding us of our true ignorance when it comes to the future. And I believe reminding us of our need for God. What are our plans apart from Him? We don't know what will happen. And I think James is kind of pulling his punches here. Not very James-like compared to some of his other texts. He says, you you don't know what tomorrow will bring, but what's the truth? We don't know what today will bring. We don't know what the end of this day will bring for us. We don't even know what will happen in the next hour. Isn't that insane to think about? We have this such, this uh, safe feeling about how we see the next week, month, year, two, five years but in reality, we don't even know what will happen in an hour. And James is reminding us of this truth. I mean, we all have our plans. I know I'm planning to go home after this, maybe eat some food, try to go to bed early, got to get up at five tomorrow. Less excited about that part. We all have our plans. We know we have this idea. It's always running in our head of what's coming next. But James is like, what are you talking about? You don't know. You don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. And the truth is, we don't even know what today will bring. We are a mist. Gone in a second in the scope of eternity. I know it's not nice to think about, but this could be the very last day that I have on earth. And I don't know. This might be the very last time I ever preach, so lucky you guys. We don't know is the point. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. And not just that our life might end, but we don't know what might be around the next corner. Our entire life, our entire idea, our entire plan can change in one phone call, in one moment, in one instant. One car crash, one sickness, one moment, and our entire lives could be flipped upside down. If I'm so convinced in myself and my own plans, all right, I'm going to study this, and then I'm going to go and get that job, or maybe that job, I don't know, it's my, I've got my first and second choice, and then I'm going to marry this person, and we're going to have this many kids, we're going to live here, I'm going to retire at 55 and spend my afternoons on a beach looking at seashells, living the dream. If I boast in my plans to the point of just an assurance in myself, 
I'm not going to be ready when they need to change. Not if they need to change, when they need to change. You don't have to live very long on this earth to realize that life tends to throw us surprises. Again, it's not a bad thing to think ahead. I don't want anybody to leave here thinking that's what I said. So I'm going to say it a lot. That's not what I'm saying. It's good to think ahead. We should plan for our futures. Of course we should. It's important. You need to save money. You need to study. You need to, and if you want to start a family, that also requires some planning. But don't put all your trust in your own plans. That's going to lead to a really harsh awakening one moment, one morning, filled with disappointment. Because you don't know what's coming. You don't know what might be around the next corner and you won't be ready if your assurance, if your trust, if your faith is in your plans. That is arrogance. Instead, bring God into your plans. So no matter what happens, no matter what surprises are thrown your way, your trust wasn't in the plan, it was in God the whole time. I had this idea but I got surprised, but it's okay. My trust is in God. Verse 15, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, if the, Lord, if the Lord's will, if it's the Lord's will, man, I can say this, I, I'll get there. We will live and do this or that. And we say this even in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6.10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done This is not news to us. We know this saying. It's not about our will or our plans or our vision for our future. It's about His will. And who do you really want to trust in anyway? We're like single-cell organisms, tiny little microscopic nothings in the scope of eternity. God is. God was God will always be. This is not his first rodeo. He's seen it all before. I think we would maybe want to lean towards trusting in him more than our own plans. Again, not that we shouldn't have plans, but trust in God always above what your idea is for the future. Don't be so set on your ideas about the future that God gets put to the sideline. When we say your will be done, let's be clear here. It's not like God saying, finally, now I can go and help him. He hasn't been waiting for you to like say, you know, give him the okay to let him to come in. What I'm trying to say is that his will will be done. When we say, we're a mist, guys. We're, remember, gone in a second. Blinking of an eye is another text in the Bible. We aren't giving God our approval. When we say, your will be done, we are submitting ourselves to his sovereignty. We're saying, Lord, I trust you. I want your will to be done. I don't want to fight against it. I want to embrace it. I want to walk in your sovereignty and you trust in your plan above all else. What does this really look like? Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. With all your heart. 
And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. It's that simple. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And it doesn't mean, again, that I'm, I'm going to use my, the brain that God's given me. I'm going to think ahead. I'm going to make my plans. I'm going to have my ideas about where I'm going. But I'm ultimately not going to put my trust in that, in my understanding of the future. I'm going to ultimately put my trust in God. I'm going to put my trust and my hope and submit myself to His sovereignty and His authority above all else. And this goes back to the relationship We walk with God day by day by day. And this is what trusting in Him over myself looks like. It's the day to day. So yes, plan ahead. But when it fails to look exactly as how you might have envisioned it to look, it's okay. Your trust wasn't in that. It was in God. Ultimately, We need to trust more in his sovereignty than our ability to plan and navigate our future. That means when the exam didn't go the way you hoped it would, maybe you fail, it's okay. That was your plan, but God's still with you. God's still going to bring you to the next step. It's okay. When you didn't get the job that you really hoped to get, it's okay. That was my idea. I I, I thought that was going to be the way, but that's all right. I don't trust in that. I trust in God. I'm not saying you don't have to be, you can get upset when those things happen. You don't have to be like, whatever, I don't care. We're going to get upset. We can have hard times. We can feel, we can feel like, man, this was, that was hard. But in those moments, I want to go to God and be like, "I, I trust in you. When the relationship isn't the one that you thought it would be, it's okay. Because I trust God's sovereignty in my life, even in my failures. So you will be surprised. Life's only certainty is its unpredictability. It's a fact. I know that in my life, God has rudely interrupted my plans more than once. I was going to be a bass player for the rest of my life. I didn't really care about making a lot of money. I just wanted to play bass. And God had other ideas. My dad has his, had his ideas of my life. He wanted me to take over the family business. Also would have been uh, an option for my life. But God was like, nah, you're going to go to Germany. And uh, that was almost eight years ago now. It's crazy. And I can tell you, at the time, it was hard. <laughs> A lot of the way it was hard. I'm so thankful for God's interruption of my plans Because though it felt, again, hard, and it felt, there were moments where I felt like I was failing at something else. As God called me into a different direction, in the end, His ways were for my best. His ways were for my best. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you. I know the plans I have for you. He knows what He's doing. He has plans for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. God has a plan, and it's a good one. It may not look like yours all the time. In fact, there will always be times in your life where your plan and God's plan aren't the same. But don't trust in yours. Trust in His. And throughout this text here, we see this kind of, this idea. And it's mostly dealing with this arrogance in the future. 
But I feel like we can't look at just the arrogance of the future without looking at the other side, the other problem that we deal with when thinking about the future. And some of you might be going, yeah, I think maybe this is going to be for me. The other side, when we face surprises in our plans, a lot of times it can lead to a fear about the future. So maybe you're like, I don't have any arrogance in my plans. I don't know what's going on, but I do have some fear about the future. I can relate to those moments. (laughs) When it comes to the future, we're all going to face these moments of fear. And luckily, Jesus gives us a great text addressing this very issue. And I want to read through the whole text in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? The answer is yes, you are. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? The answer is no, by the way. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Also encouraging. So do not worry, saying, what will we eat? What shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Boy, that's the truth. Each day has enough trouble. I've never been like, man, today's just too perfect. I I need to even this out by thinking about tomorrow's problems. That's crazy, but we do it all the time. We do it all the time. We're always thinking about tomorrow's problems when today has enough. Have you ever been overwhelmed? Have you ever felt like, man, I've, this, I've bit off more than I can chew. This is too much. I feel too small to handle what I've been dealt in this area of my life. My job is getting too hard. The hours are too long. I don't have time for my family. It's too much stress. Studies piling up, feel like you haven't slept in months, stressed with money, not knowing if you're going to have enough, stressed in relationships, maintaining relationships, it's a lot of work and sometimes it can bog us down. And maybe your fears about tomorrow are in the day-to-day, the paying the bills, the having what you need getting each through each exam one at a time. Or it can be in those big 
life-changing, surprising moments that we face. Maybe you've just experienced one or are experiencing one right now. Or you kind of feel like maybe one's coming around the corner. Have you felt overwhelmed at times? I know for me, when I remember the day well, not every detail, but I just remember the way Beck's face looked as she walked up to me and I knew some big news was coming. And she was like, we're having a baby. And I was like, yay. <laughs> we, we, we wanted one, but uh, it was definitely sooner than expected. And it was a surprise. And I was excited and I was really happy. But I was also freaking out on the inside. It's like, how am I going to provide this? I don't make enough money for a family. What, what, God, God, what are you doing? I was like, do we have the space? And am I really ready to be a, a father? What? I wasn't ready for this. This was not in my plan. Come on, God. Send me a memo at least. Actually, he kind of did. I had a dream like the week before she told me, so I can't say anything. But that happens. Have you ever felt overwhelmed? Maybe some of you. Maybe just me. I don't know. I've been overwhelmed. But no matter how overwhelmed I feel, no matter how overwhelmed you've been, whatever it is, God has never felt overwhelmed. He's never had fear. He wasn't like, you know, on the cro- uh, Jesus was on the cross, like, oh, I really hope this works. God doesn't feel fear about tomorrow. He's in control. That's good news for me. That's why I trust in him over myself. Because I'm always freaking out about tomorrow. He never does. I never know how things are going to work out. But he always does. He's always in control. Our fear is rooted in our doubt, in our own abilities. But it's also rooted in our, in our understanding of God's abilities. And I'm telling you, he is in control. Even though I fall short, he is never without. He always has what we need. And he's faithful to always provide what we need. Philippians 4, 19 And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Jesus is all-powerful, all-knowing, and he sees our needs and he meets them. We don't need to have fear about tomorrow when we trust in the Lord. And heading towards the conclusion, slowly, of this message, I think there's an important aspect of this that we have to remember the real danger of an arrogance in my planning of the future or in my fear in my, uh, my own abilities or my understanding of the future, the, f- the real danger is the effects that it has on today. The truth is that we're, we're not really usually going to have one or the other of these. We're going to go through different seasons of our lives, seasons where we feel like things are going well and we might be tempted to pat ourselves on the back and be like, look how great I planned this. My plan is really coming together. But then when things are hard, we might feel fear creep in and feel like, how am I going to get through this? How am I going to deal with this? How how am I going to get to tomorrow? We can go back and forth in these. We need to concretely 
Stand firm in Jesus Christ. Stand firm in God who is sovereign over all things and calls us his children, calls us sons and daughters. God's best for us doesn't start tomorrow. It starts today. If our eyes are fixed on tomorrow, we're going to be missing out on what God has for us today. Verse 17, If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. What good ought you be doing today? What good should you be doing now? We're all called to do good. If you've been to any of the James sermons, you've heard that in one way or another. That's the whole point of living faith, is that living faith produces something. It produces a fruit. It produces a good work. As our hearts change, actions come forth. We're called to do good works. What is good works? What are good things? What is doing good? Well, we've covered this, but it's most simply stated in loving God and loving people. We're called to be faithful to God in our relationship with Him, and we're called to serve each other, to love and to serve one another. A favorite example of this is when Jesus washed the disciples' feet. He got up and said, now go and wash each other's. Serve each other. It's easy for me to think about, oh, I just want to serve God. I want to serve Him. And that feels nice. It sounds nice. But serving God means serving other people. That's sometimes a little more difficult. Some people are easier to serve than others. But that's what we're called to do. And the point is, don't wait. Do it now. Proverbs 3, 27 28, uh, through 28. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you. When you already have it with you. I think this applies so clearly also to our doing good. Don't wait. We always have a reason to wait. Well, if I had more money, then I could give more to this or that, to the church, to help people that are in need. If I had more time, then I could serve more in the community. I could help my neighbor that I know needs, you know, is elderly and needs help and uh, with housework, whatever it might be, we all have things. And there's always a reason why we should wait. Oh, I just don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough resources. As soon as I get more, then I can serve better. So I'll just wait till then. <laughs> serve God with what you have today. He's put you where you are for a reason. Serve those around you in any capacity you have at home, at work, in your church, whatever communities that you find yourself in, find ways to serve. When we don't, James is calling it sin, but I think it's even worse than that. If you, if you think that you can't do good for God today out of a worry or an arrogance or a just a waiting for the next thing, waiting, looking always to the future. Number one, you won't be ready tomorrow either. 
You're always going to have something more that you need. You're always going to have the next thing you need to get through. You're always going to have more plans, and there's always going to be more fears that never ends. <laughs> Sorry. I hate to break that to you. It never ends. Not in this life. So don't wait because of that. And the second thing is that you are missing out on what God has planned for you now. There is no telling what God can do through you today if you're willing to let him. Let him work. Let him work in what he has for you today. And we can't all give an equal amount. That's clear. We don't, that's, we're not, we don't need to compare one another. It's not about who gives the most, who does the most. But we are all called to do something. And it's never about waiting until tomorrow. We don't want to be so focused on tomorrow that it prevents us from answering the call we have on our lives today. We're a mist, remember? Life is so short. It ends so quickly. Don't waste your life. Don't waste your life on arrogant plans, on waiting until this and that happens. Don't waste it on fear, crippling fear that keeps you from moving forward. Fear about what tomorrow might bring. You are here and you're alive today. Every one of us is here and alive today, right now. So do something. Serve God today. Now I'm working on this in my own life. I definitely haven't mastered it. But I'm not telling you anything that I haven't experienced and am going forward in in my own life. Answering the call to be here, to be a pastor, to serve here as a service leader was not an easy one for me. And there are weeks still where I have to give my fears about the future to God. But so far, I can tell you this, it's always been better to live now for Him, to live for Him now with whatever I have to give, as little as it might be, and to entrust my plans and to entrust my fears about the future to Him. And so don't ask what you can do for God tomorrow. Ask what you can be doing now. And let me tell you, if, if God can use me, God can use all of us. There's nobody in here that has excuse. Not really. If you're alive, if you have breath, you can be doing something. No matter how little it is, find a way. Don't ask what you can do for God tomorrow. Ask what you can do today. Because I believe when we do, as we do, as we look for ways to serve God today, your plans, your desires, the direction of your life will change. One yes at a time. God will change and mold your life. If you're waiting to a certain point before you start stepping into that, you're going to be surprised a lot more. <laughs> but the more we serve God today, the more he will direct us into the next thing. At least that's been my experience. When I look back at my life and how I ended up here today, right now, in front of you guys, it's crazy. I, 
It doesn't make any sense. I mean, I'm from Texas, like, you know, bass player dude in Texas, and now I'm here in Germany. I mean, like, it doesn't, it doesn't really make a lot of sense when you look at it on paper. But I can tell you in my own experience and how, I, how it looks for me is it was just one tiny yes after another. All right, God, I can do that. All right, I can, you know, I can serve this person. Okay, I can, I can pray with this person. I can do that. Okay, I can lead this Bible study. That's, that seems doable. I can do that. Thank you. One thing after another. It was just a long string of saying yes. And so I want to encourage you to say yes to what God is calling you to today. And I guarantee you, he will lead you into the next thing. So if you're like, where, God, where do you want me to be? I think I'm called to be a missionary. But I'm just waiting until I have like loads of money and I'm suddenly like really well educated. No, we'll serve God today or you're going to hit the mission field and not be ready at all for what the reality is. Walk with God, serve him in every way you can now. No matter how little or big that is. Again, it's not about how much. It's about just saying yes and not feeling like you can't because of this or that. That you need to wait for this or that. You can always say yes to God. All right, the band, if you come back up as we close. So, in recap, it's good to think ahead. It's good to plan. But don't let it become something that is an arrogance in your life. Don't think that your authority to construct your own future is enough. Don't let a fear of the future lead to doubts about God's provision. He will always provide. And today has enough worries of its own. Give your future to the Lord. Entrust it to Him. Your plans might be surprised at times, but in all things, lean in on Him. Trust in Him above all else and in completely surrender yourself to His sovereignty. And lastly, don't wait. Don't wait till tomorrow. Serve the Lord today in whatever ways, in whatever capacity you are able. Otherwise, you will miss out on what he has for you. So we'll sing one last song together. I want to invite you guys to stand and and worship. And if anybody needs prayer, there will be a few of us over here to the side to pray.